Hey, good morning, everyone. What a great morning. Gosh, it was a good good day to be in church. Good day to be in church. Um, how many of you like receiving good news? Okay, three of you. Okay, uh, how about this? You like receiving good news, especially if you're expecting bad news, right? That's even better. Uh, let's be honest. When we hear bad news, we usually hope it's true. You know, you know, we we never think that. We we don't think when we hear bad news, like, oh man, I I I hope this isn't true. I hope this isn't true, right? If I were to tell you today, I just read an article this morning that all the Chick Fil A's were going to close down in Rochester. You'd be de- that would devastate me, right? And some of you, right? But but that's you know, and I would tell you, well, that's not true. You're hoping that it's not true. And someone may come to you and tell you something that they heard and, well, I heard this and, and we're hoping, well, maybe maybe that's not true. Um, not long ago, I had to take my car in to get uh, inspected and uh, I left it there with the auto mechanic and they called me and they said, uh, hey, Mr. Gerace, how you doing? I said, good, good. He's like, uh, I hope I'm still good after you tell me this news. And he goes, I've got some bad news for you. Don't you, don't you love hearing that news from a mechanic that they've got bad news? He goes, uh, I got bad news on your car. Your hydraulic mud flaps are leaking. I go, what does that even mean? I don't even know what that, that means. Uh, he goes, no, there's something in your, in your axle and it's, it's leaking and um, it's going to be quite a bit of money to, to fix that. And I said, well, what exactly is it? And so he told me. And so, you know, I was like, oh man, this is going to be so much money to fix. So I did some research and I saw that maybe it would be covered under the powertrain warranty, which lasts a lot longer than your normal warranty, which our car was well out of. And so I called back and I said, listen, listen, this might be covered under the powertrain warranty. He goes, okay, let me look into it. He goes, yeah, the part that you're looking at is covered. That's a dollar part. That costs a dollar. The other part's $8,000. So I'm sorry about that. But he goes, he goes, uh, bring it in again. So I, I, I brought it in again and they looked at it and he goes, I'll call you with the news to tell you exactly um, how much it's going to cost and so on and so forth. So I'm like, oh, so I'm, I'm waiting all day for this, for this bad news to come. So finally they called me and they said, come on in. So I, I came in, the guy comes up and he goes, hey, I've got some good news for you. I'm like, oh, really? He goes, it's not going to cost you a penny. It was covered under your powertrain warranty. I gave this guy a hug. Revival <laughs> broke out in the, in, the, uh, you know, in the station. It was just, it was wonderful, wonderful news. That's good news. The thing I want you to understand this morning, as we look at the good news of Jesus Christ, it is the most extravagant good news that you will ever hear in your life. And I want you to know why it was such good news. I mean, that day when an angel came and appeared to the shepherds in the fields nearby where Jesus was born in Bethlehem, they brought them good news. And I think for many of us, we may not understand truly what that good news means. See, in order for it to be good news, it's more than just listening to it. It's more than just hearing that good news. But God actually wants us to receive that good news. And that's what will change your life. And I want to dig into what this good news means. So let's look at this passage in Luke chapter 2. Listen to what the angel said to the shepherds in the fields near where Jesus was born. And, and uh, it says here, but the angel reassured them because when they first showed up, they were terrified. They were terrified for their lives. And they said, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to some people. What does it say? It says to all people. 
And they say the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And this good news, what does that mean? Well, it's where we get this word gospel. What does, what does the word gospel mean? Now, for many of us, we think of gospel and we think of the first four books of the New Testament. We think those are the gospels. Those are, uh, you know, the books that talk about the life of Jesus. But what gospel means, what the word gospel means, it literally means good news or good message. And the word gospel is, tra- is a translation from the Greek, which is euangelion. That's the Greek word, euangelion, which is translated into the Greek language, which means good news. And so what the angel did on that day 2,000 years ago was to announce this good news for everyone. And the Old Testament gives us some excellent background to the meaning of the word gospel. When there was a battle that, was, uh, that, that an army would go out and have a battle, the city would wait for the news to come back on the result of what happened in that battle. Was it a victory? Was it a defeat? And they would have to wait. There was no Twitter. There's no news feeds. There's no Instagram. There's none of that to let them know what went on. They waited for this one messenger to come back with this news. And they were hoping it was gospel. They were hoping it was good news. And what they would have is they would have one person looking in a tower, and that person would look way out in the distance, and they would see that messenger coming. And they were waiting, anticipating to hear the message of the results of this war. And this one person that was looking for this messenger that would be running in town, what they would look for is the dust that would be kicked up from the runner. So way off in the distance, if they saw a lot of dust in the air, that meant gospel. That meant good news. This messenger was excited to bring the news of victory to the city that they won the war. If there was no dust, and if he was walking and he was sad, it didn't mean good news. And this is what Isaiah gives us. Isaiah the prophet gives us this picture of what good news means. When he said this in Isaiah 52, 7, he says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. The good news of peace and salvation. The news that the God of Israel reigns. And so they were anticipating this messenger. And if this messenger had good news, they would see the dust and they would be excited because they knew it was good news. There was something different. There was joy that was going to be brought into that city. I want to give you a similar illustration to Greek history. And in Greek history, we read about this very same thing. When the Greeks won the Battle of Marathon over the Persians, the first news of victory came from a runner with good news proclaiming victory. Let me read to you in in antiquity some of these exact stories. Let me quote for you from one story of uh, what happened right after the Battle of Marathon and the person who brought good news of the victory in Marathon. It says this, I quote, The messenger appeared, raised his right hand in greeting, and calls out with a loud voice, And they said by his very appearance, it's known already that he was bringing good news. His face shines. His spear is decked with laurel. His head is crowned. And he swings a branch of palms. And joy filled the city. 
this messenger on the very countenance of his face showed good news and joy filled the city. You see, to the Greeks, the word good news meant a proclamation of victory that we see in the birth of Christ. You see, when that good news of Jesus changes your life, it literally changes your countenance. It changes everything about your life. It changes the way you look at even the mundane things at your life. It changes the way you interact with people. When people see us, do they see something different in the countenance of our face? Do they see, but when I have a, 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 you know, just a conversation with somebody, maybe at the grocery store, out, in, out just out and about, I'm hoping that when I leave that conversation, they would say, there's something different about that person. There's something different on the countenance of their face. Can you imagine with a Christian, we just walk around, hey, how you doing? Yeah, nice to meet you. Yeah. Are you good today? Oh, yeah. Praise the Lord. I'm doing really good. Yeah, praise the Lord. I'm wonderful. I've got good news for you, by the way. You know, Jesus loves you. He really does. You want to know him? I'd be like, really? It, it's when the gospel, I'm teasing, but when the gospel message changes you, there should be something different about us. It's not fake. It's not phony. It's something that's changed our hearts that we want other people to know about. And I want to dig a little bit deeper into this message, the, the word gospel, because it's so much more than just saying something or this, or this news of glad tidings. It's so much deeper. The meaning of the word gospel goes to a deeper meaning than just good news, which most certainly it is, but it also means news of victory. Not only is it something we listen to, but literally that, that gospel message, when it changes our hearts of what Christ has done for us, it changes our future. It changes everything about our life. The word gospel is also derived from an Anglo-Saxon word, Godspell. Now, for some of you, when I say the word Godspell, the first thing you think about is the Godspell musical from 1970. How many are old like me and you remember that musical? Okay, six of you. Wonderful. Okay. Uh, maybe this will help jog your memory. Remember the popular song that came from Godspell? Remember Day by Day? Day by Day. Oh, dear Lord, three things I pray. Remember that? Okay, is there like anybody out there today? Is anybody right? I just feel like getting a tambourine out and just singing that song. Um, but the meaning of Godspell is really interesting. In, in defining the word gospel, Godspell is really two words that mean tidings or story. So really, the word Godspell is the story concerning God. Ultimately, Godspell is a story of hope, a hope for, for far better things to come. It's a story of victory. Paul, when he was writing to the church in Corinth, was explaining to them that when you receive the gospel message, it's not a message that you hear from the world. It's complete contrast from the world's knowledge and what they spout and what they think is important. When the gospel changes you, it changes everything about your life. The message of Christ and who Jesus is will change everything about you. It changes the way you live. It changes how you deal with people. It changes how you look at your future. It changes your identity. And Paul's trying to explain to the Corinthian church, don't be bamboozled, don't be fooled by the knowledge of this world. Paul says, I didn't come to you with real elegant words. I wasn't a great orator. I, I didn't have these wonderful things to say to you by my speech alone. 
But what I did come to you is the power of the message of Christ. And that's what changed your heart. Because it was a message that was empowered by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And this is why Paul tells him in 1 Corinthians 2.9, he says, that is why the scriptures mean when they say no eye is seen and no ear is heard and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And what Paul is talking about here, yes, this is a futuristic event. Many times we look at that of our future in heaven, which is wonderful. And through Christ Jesus, we can spend eternity with him and he gives us life and death no longer has its sting in our life. But when Paul says this, he also, he's really meaning the here and now. For those who come to the gospel message of Christ, not only hear it, but receive it, Paul is saying no mind can even conceive what God has in store for those who love him. For today, for tomorrow, for next week, for next month. It doesn't mean we don't go through difficulties in our life. It doesn't mean we don't struggle in this world with the hardships of this world. But when we receive the gospel message, there is something different about the way we perceive our future now. No longer do we mope and no longer are we embittered. No longer do we walk around defeated, but we have the victory in Christ Jesus knowing that he has conquered sin and death for you and I. And my perspective of this world is completely different. That no matter what comes my way, no matter what bad news the world may send to me, I know that I have Christ and he is good and his message is good and we have a hope and we have a future with Christ Jesus. That's why the early disciples and apostles could endure all the hardships and the persecution that they went through because the gospel message was anchored in their heart and nothing could dislodge that message of hope that the gospel message can bring to us for those that not only hear it, but receive it. And that's my prayer for you, is that you wouldn't just be listeners, but you'd actually enter into the game and say, God, let this message change my heart and change my life. See, what, what bothers me in our world today, what really saddens my heart, is for those who don't see this as good news. They may not see the gospel as good news, and that breaks my heart. They don't see it as God's spell. They don't see it as a, a message of, of victory. For many, maybe they were hurt in church or perhaps those who call themselves followers of Christ uh, didn't act like it. Can we just all admit many times if we're following Jesus, sometimes we blow it and we blow our witness and we mess up and we have to humble ourselves and apologize. Amen? Okay, amen, amen. And for them, some of these, for them it isn't good news. See, for many, the question of Christianity isn't, is it true, but is it good? That's what we're struggling with in our world today. It's not necessarily, is it true, But is it really good? Is it really better than all the other faiths? Is it really better than all the other religions that we see in our world today? And see, my question for those who don't think Christianity is good is this. Is Jesus good? Is Jesus good? Let's look at his life. I know it's easy to judge Christianity on its followers, not on the person of Christ. And all of us at one time or another have represented Jesus incorrectly. But however, everything about Jesus is good. And at the heart of the gospel message, it is good. So what caused the shepherds to leave what they were doing 
and chase after Jesus. It was the good news that drew them in. It was exciting. It was for everyone. So what makes the message of Jesus good? Because it speaks truth to our condition. And I know in our world today, we don't want to hear a message that would make me maybe feel guilty or maybe feel bad about myself. That's not the heart of the gospel message. The truth of the gospel message is Jesus came for sinners. And all of us are separated from God because of our sin. See, the gospel message would never be good if it didn't invade dark places. And the gospel message comes into our darkness and to our sin and gives us the message that there is a Savior that desires to rescue you and you can't rescue yourself by yourself. There's no way you could be good enough. There's not enough righteousness in your life that could ever amend our relationship with God. That's why the message of Jesus is good because it speaks truth to our dark hearts, to our sinful lives. And I know that's hard for us to hear because we don't want people telling us that we're bad, right? But guess what? We are. We've walked away from God. We've done our own things. But what makes the message of Jesus so powerful and the gospel story so powerful is God through his grace and mercy sends us his son to die in our place and say, I'm going to forgive you. And it's not through your work, it's through my work, my substitutionary work on the cross that I'm going to do for you which you can't do for yourself. That's why it's good news. You see, at the heart of the gospel message is Jesus came for sinners and brought forgiveness to those who repent and turn their lives over to Christ. That's what makes it good. It's good because all of us are on the same playing field. The message of the gospel is for everyone. The message to the shepherds was very simple. The good news is great joy for all people. See, the gospel message is going to cause you to make some hard decisions in your life. If we really see the gospel message as good, then we can't water it down. We can't give a message of goodness of Jesus and say, you're okay by the way you want to live your life. And you're okay by whatever lifestyle you want to choose. That's not a good message. See, in order for it to be good, it has to speak truth to our hearts. And I appreciate so much that when those truly understand what Jesus did for them, that they might have some feelings in their lives that are contrary to the will of God and in God's word, but they submit to the gospel message and to Jesus and say, I'm going to obey Jesus over what I'm feeling and not water the gospel down so it makes it more palatable for me to receive. The gospel message is a tough message for this reason. We're hard people and we need Christ. And we need to understand that his death on the cross was for a reason. He didn't die for good people. He died for sinners, which every single one of us are. That's what makes it so good. And I appreciate those who don't water down the gospel message. They take it for what it is. And they come face to face with it. And they say, Jesus, I'm going to obey you over what my feelings might feel or what my lifestyle might be. I'm going to obey you regardless, and I'm not going to water that down 
because my obedience to you is more important than anything else. And that's where joy comes in. That's where, that, that's where we truly understand God's purposes for our life is when we truly obey that message. See, the shepherds just didn't stay in the fields. They just didn't stay there and say, okay, that was nice. Let's go back to just tending the sheep. What did they do? They left what they were doing and they sought the Savior. They came. God invited them in their filth, in their waywardness. He said, come and see and bow and worship. This is for you. And that's what changed their lives. You see, as we, as we see this and as we, as, we, as we ponder this gospel message, we need to understand that no one is more special than anyone else. There's no one that has a, there's no VIP sections in heaven, right? I've always, I'm always, I have to admit, I'm just going to be, I'm going to make a confession to this morning. I, I have to admit, when I'm at a basketball game or something, maybe at a Syracuse game, we're usually way up in the high seats, right? The nosebleed section. I always look down at those people that are on the court side. And I'm like, oh man, what would that be like? What would that be like to have a player just fall in your lap? I want to be on the court side where I see the sweat just flying on me, right? I want, I want to be down there. But those are special seats, right? Those aren't the $6 seats that I bought, right? Those aren't the three, if you've been to the Dome, the 301 section, right? The 312 section. You know, those, you know, I remember when we bought, brought Lily for the first time to a Syracuse game, we're way, I mean, very, the very top, like the last row on the very top. And Lily's like, she's looking down and, you know, and they had their first TV timeout after about three or four minutes. And she goes, Daddy, is the game over already? I mean, she didn't, she didn't know. I'm like, yeah, let's go because we can't see anything anyways. No, we stayed, we stayed. But listen, there's no VIP section in heaven. There, there's, no, there's no specialty that God reserves for, for, for someone else. And that's what I love about this message. He says, come as you are. Let me change you. And the gospel message, when it permeates your heart, it will change everything about you. It will change everything about you. I remember when I was, uh, first came to the church it was back in 2001, and my, my grandfather, Drace, was an uh, athletic director at Marshall High School back in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and 60s for a long time. And um, he coached soccer, and he coached um, swimming. And he had a record at the City Catholic League for most consecutive dual meets at like 130 or 140 meets. And so he passed away, but they honored him at, uh, at Frontier Field at Red Wing Stadium, they honored him. There's this walk of fame for, for athletes and for coaches, and they honored him that year, which is really cool. And they put a brick with his name on it, and they put the brick in the ground, and we got to come as a family. They fed us, and um, we got to go right on the field. We got to go right on the field. It was a really honoring day. And I remember we're all standing there and they're going to do a special little ceremony before the game. So we're there and the families were there with the eight or nine inductees that were going in that year. And there's this lady that kept pushing me. She kept pushing me, like wanting me to get out of the way. And she kept saying, you know, we're part of the inductees. I'm the inductee. We're the inductee. And she kept pushing me out of the way. And I'm looking, look at lady. We're all part of the inductees. Get to the back of the line, you know? And then my mom got her in a headlock, and it was really fun, you know? But anyways, no, I'm teasing. Listen, listen. When we come to that gospel message, aren't you so thankful that we're all inductees? And it's not anything special 
that we've done. It's everything. Everything is dependent on what Christ has already done for you. And my question to you, do you see the gospel message as good? Because the only way you're going to truly see that it's truly good, unless you feel like you were expecting bad news, unless you realize that you don't deserve it. See, if we come to God with entitlement attitude, or if we come to God feeling we're special, it doesn't. Some of you may think, well, Pastor, you have no idea the things I've done in my past. Or maybe you feel like, well, I was raised in church, so, so you know, you get a pass. No, nobody gets a pass. Nobody gets a pass. We don't come to Christ feeling entitled that I deserve it. If you come that way to Jesus, it's not good news. It's only good news when you're expecting something bad. And every single one of us deserve, deserve the punishment that should be coming our way because of our waywardness. The gospel message is good because Jesus took your punishment on the cross. That's why it's good. The reason why the message from the mechanic was good to me because I was expecting bad news. It's good news because none of us deserve Jesus and what he did for us. See, when that good news permeates your life and you come to Christ and you ask him to forgive you and you ask him to say, Jesus, I, I, I'm going to follow you because I realize that's the only person I can truly follow that truly has the true message, the true message that a sinner needs is Jesus. And what it does is when that gospel message changes you, it strips you of your privileges. It strips you of feeling entitled. What it does for you is it causes you to forgive others when you feel like there was some ought against you. When you feel like someone has offended you, right? And we've all been offended. The gospel message, when it comes into your heart, you're able to forgive those offenses because you realize that Jesus forgave your offense when he shouldn't have. That's God's grace and mercy. That's That message of the gospel, the gospel of grace, is different from any other message you will hear ever in your life. That's why it's good. And that's why it's perfect. Because it's a message of hope, it's a message of change. It's a message that this world needs to hear and see in our lives. So by the way we forgive others who are unforgivable, by the way we, we allow our, fence, our offenses to be buried and not to bring them up, when we die to our entitlement, that's when the gospel message has taken grip in your heart. And we need to preach that message to ourselves every single day because I am a knucklehead and I can't <laughs> amen you can say I'm a knucklehead because I am see that we need to preach that because we'll go right back to our old ways if we're not careful and we need that message of grace and mercy that Jesus had done for us when we didn't deserve it and we need to give that to others
the message of the gospel also gives you hope for tomorrow. That no matter what you're faced with today, the message of the gospel is God's spell. It's a message of victory. That it should change the countenance of our faces. That we encounter other people, they see, what do you have that I don't have? Why are you dealing with this differently when you should have lacked hope and you should be hopeless? Why are you different? It's not that it doesn't hurt. It's not that we don't struggle. But we don't struggle as the world does anymore because we have the hope in the gospel that Jesus said, even though you're going to go through tribulation in this world, take heart, I have overcome this world. That's the message that is anchored in our heart that no situation, no diagnosis can ever take away from us. Is the gospel anchored in your heart? If it is, it will change everything. And that's my prayer for you, that you wouldn't just hear it, but you would experience, just like the shepherds. Come and see. Let's drop everything and go and experience the Savior of the world. So, Father God, as we bow our hearts before you today, Lord, I pray for every heart here today, those that are watching online, God, I just pray, Lord, that that we would realize that the gospel message is good in every way because it deals with the truth of who we truly are. And I thank you, Jesus, that that truth is embodied in your love. And that's what changes us. So thank you, Lord. Help us to walk in that truth, to embrace that message, to live gospel-centered lives of forgiveness and grace as we give that to others who so desperately need it too. So we love you. We thank you. And I pray for everyone here that, Lord, they would realize that if they've not come to that decision, Lord, that they realize that we can come to you at any time, at any moment, and you will receive us when we confess you as Lord and Savior, Jesus. Thank you that you forgive and you heal. Thank you that that message is for all of us. May we not only hear it, but receive it into our lives. We love you. We thank you. And we ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's children said, amen, amen. Would you stand with me? We're just going to sing that I love this.